David Sparks and Jason Snell spent their careers working for the establishment. Then one day, they'd had enough. Now, they are independent workers, learning what it takes to succeed in the 21st century. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow host, Mr. Jason Snow. Hello, Jason. Hi, David. How are you doing? Good. Hope you're having a, a good March and everything's going well for you. Yeah, you know, it's rainy, so I'm spending a lot of time indoors, but that's okay. That's that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah we're in California. We'll take it. We will take the rain whenever it falls on us, which it's doing now, so I'm okay with it. All right. So how's uh, your month as a free agent? Oh, um, it's funny. Um, I'm doing what we were talking about before we started. Um, we're doing some work on the house and I am reminded, you know how I told you a few months ago about how I realized I'm one of those people who is much more comfortable sort of when things are orderly. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like my workspace to be kind of kind of clean and orderly, and it just kind of makes me feel a little less anxious, a little le- a little happier. Um, so doing doing work on our house uh, in the backyard and in, in the uh, driveway, having the concrete reboard, um, and so we've had people working around the house, and we did we did some work on the house a few years ago, and had a new floor put in and, and redid the kitchen. And I had forgotten, and I wasn't working at home then, but I had forgotten quite how traumatic that was until yeah. uh, until the, there were jackhammering in my backyard, and I had to flee the whole house. And I realized that even even when they weren't working aggressively, like whole, you know, parts of my house aren't are, are like rubble. <laughs> yeah, and and this is my workplace now, and it it's been. Uh, it's been un- unpleasant. I have been a lot less happy. Um, in, I know that the end result is going to be great, but it's definitely been, you know, disruptive. And it, it, it's amazing how little was required to make it disruptive. Yeah, the, the Felix part of you was not happy, I'm sure. Well, yeah, and it's an invasion of my personal space, right? Because even though this is my, you know, it's our, it's our house, but it's also my workplace. And so having people knocking on the door or talking in the backyard and then, you know, having, like I said, you know, you look out the back of the house and there's rubble and giant ruts of mud and stuff like that. And it's not, it's just, uh, it all doesn't quite feel right and i think that that all plays into it just a few days ago i was recording podcast ads and i live pretty close to camp pendleton down here in southern california and they were bombing that day they were or doing explosions of some sort wow the the wind or whatever was just blowing just right that i realized oh wait this is getting on mic i've got to stop and wait till they're done bombing Mm. (laughs) all right uh well i'll tell you what's been rough for me is i uh went and spoke in chicago last week I, i do this every year too this uh the american bar association has a conference for kind of geeks and i i've been speaking at it i don't know something like 10 years now and uh i went uh last week and I was there for a couple days, and then I had travel, you know, to get to Chicago and back to California. And I was just looking around, and things just really fell apart for me uh, during the time I was gone. And I, uh, and I've been thinking about that, you know, when you're solo, you don't have a lot of people back at the office to kind of keep the trains running while you're busy. 
And I think I made a bunch of mistakes on this trip. Like what? The first thing I did was in the weeks leading up to the conference, I had some things come up on calendar what that were optional that needed to get done at some point, but not right away. And I stacked them up for the week I got back. I don't know why I did that. I, we did two episodes of Mac Power Users. We got this show going down this week in addition to a bunch of kind of optional legal stuff that I did. And I, I just loaded myself up for the trip back. And I don't know what I was thinking. I think I even talked about this on our show at one point, how you should uh-huh. never do that when you go on vacation. But I, I came back and like the first work, work day after I got back, I had a full calendar and it's just been that way all week. So I had um, a couple client matters that got that were important that happened while I was there. And that always happens while you're, you know, at a conference. And, um, but I, so I got back and I had those to deal with and I had the stuff I had voluntarily signed up for like a, like an idiot before I left. So I've just spent the whole week, just feel like a step or two behind, which has been rough. Uh, the other thing I think I made a mistake there was I, I've been getting really good at this whole thing about calendaring my day and getting, you know, realistic goals for the day. I didn't do that while I was at the conference and I should have, you know, I should have blocked a couple hours just for maintenance stuff with the law practice. The law practice for me is the one that usually has the, the biggest fires to put out, you know, writing books for Max Sparky. If I had to put that off a day or two, that's okay. But you know, when the client has some kind of need, it's hard to, to put that off. So I just feel like I, I, I kind of blew it and I, I actually took a bunch of notes this week that I, I'm going to force myself to read before I take another conference trip. I just am looking and seeing uh, you and Katie did uh, did like a, an Ask the Experts section and you did it. That's cool. I just I'm looking at, I'm peering into your uh, yeah your professional life as a uh, right where the streams <laughs> cross, quite frankly. Yeah, I know. It is. It is weird. It is weird. But the uh, but That's it's amazing. fun. It's fun, and, and it's it's fun because a lot of um, solo attorneys and corporate attorneys uh, were there that listened to our show, and and I was getting cornered all over the place to ask questions about free agent stuff, and I'll, I've got a few things to talk about that later in the show, but that that was fun. I, I had a great time, and you know I really made an effort to be present for the conference and do a good job on my talks, and but I I do think that I could have done. If I had it to do over again, I would have been much more precious about my time the week following, which was my biggest mistake, mm. and just a little more deliberate while I was there. Like if I could have just – on vacation, I was really good about getting up for a couple hours each morning, but on this trip, for some reason, I, I couldn't do that, so – so, get better so would you have uh, would you have spread out the done more pre work or admitted that to yourself that you weren't going to need to do so much work the, the first week back and maybe spread it out over two or three weeks? Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. I mean, because some of this is like we had a uh, we recorded a Mac Power Users episode like two weeks in advance because there was some scheduling stuff. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'll just do it that week, and I didn't have to do that. You know, a, right. a Mac Power Users episode is. It, it takes a couple hours to record, but there's usually about two or three hours of prep in one of those episodes, too. Mm-hmm. And I would have uh, liked to have that time back this week. I could have done it next week a lot easier. And same thing on the legal side. I had agreed to do some stuff for a few clients that wasn't time urgent. But then once you say you're going to do it on that day, yeah. you've you got to deliver the goods. You, yeah, you've just added urgency to your schedule that was not necessary. Yes, but, what was I thinking, Jason? I don't know. It happens. I, I I I do that too when I go to conferences or am speaking somewhere. You know, there is this the the famous thing that we we've, we've talked about before. The you know, be 
you don't want to say no, you want to say yes, but you know, every time you say yes, it's like you're writing a check that your future self has to cash. Yes. And <laughs> and that can be a challenge. Conferences, you know, I I I try to I know that it's going to be time and it's going to be work if I'm speaking, but even if I'm just going like that that it's unlikely that I'm going to be able to do a lot of work. And so that's always part of the the calculation is how do you build in time around it in order to make it to make it happen. And if you're speaking, it's even it's even worse because you have a lot of prep plus you have stress. Um, and that can be, that, that's like, there's extra cost there. I'm actually doing a speaking engagement next week and, um, it's, I'm happy to do it. It's a group. It's like a Mac user group that I go to see every year and it's fine. It's great. But you know, there is a cost. So I say, yes, six months later, I have to, I have to pay when I'm, I'm, I'm about to do that. Yeah, I get it, man. And and I guess we all do. Whether you speak or just attend conferences, it's it's an issue. But speaking is even worse. Like I had a couple of days where I was I was speaking twice, and I was had this idea that well, I'll be done at like three with my speaking things. I can go back to the room and work for a couple hours. But after you've spoken twice, you don't have anything left in the tank. No, at least I don't. No, yeah. that's that's that mental exhaustion. I had that. Um, Related to that, I this weekend my uh, my family was traveling. They went to visit um, some of my wife's family, and I didn't go. I stayed home, and I had work to do, so I did it. But I recorded like six hours of podcasts, and podcast is public speaking of a different sort, but it is. And I was just wiped out. Like I, it was there was so much of it, and it the fact is it it engages your brain and all that. So it's something, I guess what we're saying, cause not everybody is, is going to conferences and not everybody is, is speaking at conferences, but certainly the, the larger point to take away from this is to be aware of what, um, and uh, of what is going to make you unable to work <laughs> and yeah. how your, your, how a trip usually goes and don't pretend, don't fool yourself into thinking, Oh, well, I'm actually going to get work done. And then when I come back, cause travel is exhausting too, right? So when I come back yeah. that next week, I'm going to be, I'm going to be working at, at, at 150% efficiency for that week. I'm going to get everything done because it's not going to happen. You'll be lucky if you're at hundred percent efficiency the week back yeah. after a trip. You got to take your energy level into account. And then there's the whole other thing where the air, the airlines are just gaslighting us all. Every time I get on an, on an airline, the seat is like a half inch narrower. I, I'm convinced they just, they, they keep track of it. And every time I get, I get a new ticket, they say, okay, Dave's coming back. Let's make him narrower. Uh, or maybe I'm getting wider. I don't know. But the, uh, every time we get on a plane, I've got the guy in front of me. In fact, it was funny this time, got a cup of tea. I'm super happy. The uh, as soon as the plane, I, I've got my iPad, so I think I can get a bunch of work done. It's a long flight. The guy in front of me just cranks his seat back in such a way that just like uh, smashes the teacup between the tray and his seat. <laughs> it's like, and I'm just looking at it like it's about to explode all over my lap with hot tea at any moment. I, you know, it. Oh. You really just can't count on getting work done. And then you've got the kicker behind you, and you've got you know uh-huh. somebody sitting next to you that's huge, and you can't. I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah, don't count on that either. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so so I did learn something. My takeaway from all of it really was I wrote down like a page and a half of notes about the challenges I had when I got back, and I've I made a promise to myself I'm going to read that now every time I've got one of these things coming up. 
and for some reason, it was a speaking gig for me that was harder than, than the vacation, which probably makes sense. But I'm going to try and be more aware of that as I take on these responsibilities in the future and, and certainly as I plan around them. That's good. That's very good. So, Jason, you had some thoughts um, about being in or out. Oh, what do you mean in by or that? out. In or out. Yeah. That's the big question. In or out. Uh, I just, you know, I... Um, I keep struggling with the idea of whether I want to work on new projects or not. Yeah. And there's this challenge. The idea there is, do I want to, do I want to put in the commitment uh, required to do a big project, especially at, at, um, at a level of quality that it's going to be acceptable to me and potentially to my audience. So, um, video is a thing. I mean, you and I have talked about it a little bit because you're doing the Max Barkey video field guides. I thought about doing some projects like that where I do more videos, either on ongoing videos or I build a video package that I can sell, something like that. And it's it's a real it's a real challenge. I don't have an answer here. I, I just it's something I'm pondering because, like video, let's take that on one level. I've been doing video stuff since high school. I was a video editor in high school. Even uh, had, back when you had two VCRs and you would uh, attach them to each other and roll. We had you know we could set endpoints and stuff, and and then you you would roll the tapes back and then roll them forward and do a tight copy and you'd get the video it's like i've been doing this a long time the tech is much yeah. better now um but i have not done very many that i would consider sort of in my capacity as a as a a, a content professional i which is not to say that i haven't done videos uh but i haven't done a lot of them it hasn't really been my job i focused on podcasts and of course writing over the years and magazines and things like that um which actually is part of the problem here and I wonder how you've experienced this with the with field guides, which is the challenge is that they look people look at us and say, well, those guys are professionals, but we're not video professionals. And I think that there's a challenge there where people expect professional level work from us, even if we're still figuring out the best way to approach this medium uh, that we're not used to being in. And that's always been one of my struggles with um, doing video is not the video... Um, doesn't have a role because there are a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's great on video and not that I don't I, I'm resistant to doing video but there is this challenge of like how do I do video that I that it's something that I'm proud of and that people will uh, will will get and understand and consider to be an acceptable level because I don't want to embarrass myself but at the same time I'm I'm a one one person deal here I'm not going to make a major motion picture it's not going to happen and yet that's sort of the standard that we all have been trained on is the highest kind of professional production values in a lot of ways not necessarily in the context of like a youtube video but there is a challenge if you're somebody who is viewed as a professional to make something that's you know the bar is not the same <laughs> that you have to clear if you're a professional than if you're somebody who's just posting some videos on YouTube where th th there's a, a much different expectation. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go with this, but I, I keep thinking about it and I keep it's one of these things that I keep toying with, but I, I have not made any uh, kind of ultimate decisions about. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the process of of you know OmniFocus three is going to come out at some point in the next you know six months, and I did the OmniFocus two video field guide, so I'm going to do a new one for the old one. So I've been watching the original one I made, and I see so many mistakes I made, and even just 
um, I had a worse microphone at the time and I, the audio to me sounds terrible and all everybody that watches it tells me they like it, but I see a million mistakes in it. And I do think, uh, and taking this even bigger than video, if you're really good at something, but you're looking to expand your, your indie gig to something else at some point, you just have to do it. And it's not going to be as good as the thing you've been doing for 30 years, but uh, you know, you can get as much advice as you want and you can you know do your best with it. But the only way you're going to get better at it is, is actually doing it. So I, I think at some point you just have to do it and, yeah. and treat it that way and, and don't get so hung up on, you know, the fact that, you know, whatever you've done, you're so good at this other thing that this new thing, you're not going to be immediately as good at it and, and get as much help as you want. I'm, I'm in the process of, um, Liana LaHua is a pal of mine and she used to work with pixel core and, she wants me to do some YouTube stuff with her. So she came over and we set up proper lighting and everything. And even then I'm still terrible at it. We haven't even put anything up yet. At some point I'll do a little bit of it, but I'm treating that as a thing where I'm going to give myself permission not to be perfect at it. And let's just see how it goes as an experiment. But uh, no matter what you're doing, whether it's graphic design or being a lawyer or whatever, I think if you want to expand into something else, you just have to give yourself permission to, to, to start somewhere. Yeah. So the challenge is really figuring out how much effort it's going to be because of course there's only a finite amount of time and yes. schedule the time. And we, it, that, and then that goes to all of the stuff we talk about, about doing projects and longer term projects, talking to Sean Blanc last time, you know, that was one of the things that stuck with me is this idea of saying, um, if I'm going to do a video series or something like that, I'm going to set a deadline and, and schedule it and know that that time is taken up with this and can't be used on another project. But, you know, you also have to reach that level of commitment that you're willing to do that. And for me doing videos, it, basically it's at that point where I need to, uh, commit. And if I can't commit at the level that's required, I need to walk away from it. So that's, that's where I am right now is trying to figure out how to put that, put that all together. So we'll yeah, see. When, Leon, when Leon and I, I first started talking about doing this YouTube stuff, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm realistic and realizing, you know, I'm not going to be the next Casey Neistat or any of that stuff, but I do feel like it's an enhancement for some of the other stuff I do for the people that are interested in what I'm doing. It gives them another Avenue. And uh, so what am I willing to give for that? That was a big concern for me. And I, I just decided two days a month is as much as I'm willing to give for that. If I can't get it done in two days, uh, then I'm not going to do it. And to make that work, I'm doing like a day of prep, a day of shooting, and then I'm paying uh, my uh, film girl daughter to do all the edits uh -huh. so I don't have to deal with it. And and I think two days is as far as I'm willing to go with it. But I try to go into it very deliberately, and, and nothing is even out yet. So I guess by, the, by next month when we get on, there'll be one or two of these things up so people can tell me how terrible I am. Oh, good. Hey, uh, let's talk for a minute about our sponsors today. And huh. the first one I'd like to mention is our friends over at FreshBooks. Uh, to all those free agents out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. And our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their cloud accounting software for freelancers that's ridiculously easy to use. We hear from listeners all the time getting started as free agencies 
And one of their most common questions is, how do I get paid? And it can be really hard. It used to be really hard because you had to print these things out and lick stamps and figure out ways to get the checks back and get them deposited and all these nonsense. You you get rid of all that with FreshBooks Uh, by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses and getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Uh, they keep continuing to improve FreshBooks, and that's one of the things I like about the service. They've got this new notification center that's like your personal assistant. You'll always know what's changed in your business since you last logged on and what needs to be dealt with pronto. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. So you know, if someone's not paying, you push a button, they get reminders. It's just that simple. And that's the kind of stuff you need when you're trying to run your own business. You're, you're, you're out on your own because you're good at something, and it's usually not making and sending bills. Let FreshBooks take care of that for you. Now, if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash free agents and enter free agents uh, with the space, all caps, in the how did you hear about us section. Uh, We want to thank FreshBooks for their support of the show and helping free agents everywhere. All right. Um, One of the things that we talk about on the show when we've had asked uh, of us before is about insurance. We talked about health insurance. It's definitely a huge issue if you're, especially in the United States, regarding um, you know, how, how you get covered if you do not have an employer and, uh, that, you know, we, we will keep talking about that probably, but, um, I see, you know, I see here that you would like to talk about some other kinds of insurance that we don't talk about so much. Yeah. I, I just wanted to mention forgotten insurance, and this is a kind of a sad story. A friend of the family passed away in the last month and, uh, he was a dentist and, uh, a free agent. He had his own practice. And he had never bothered to get life insurance and, and left his, his wife and kids, uh, you know, with a bit of a burden. And I, uh, and it just got me thinking. We talked about insurance on the show, but we were talking about health insurance. If you're a free agent, you got to think about all the insurance. You know, get yourself life insurance, get yourself disability, and you got to build that into your spreadsheet when you decide to make your break. If you can't afford it yet, then you should really consider whether you're doing the right thing because those types of insurance are just as important. You know, I talked about it on the show, but get yourself a broker, somebody who can be your friend and look out for you and get you the necessary insurance. And uh, I got a birthday present when I turned 50. I I came home and my life insurance uh, uh, premium doubled (laughs) and said, hey, happy birthday. Now you got to pay twice as much because you're more likely to die. Um, So (laughs) I I called my broker and sent her a copy of the statement. I'm like, is there something you can do for me? And she found me another company that offers essentially the same product. Um, at a significant discount. So I'm switching life insurance, but now I got to go through all the blood tests and all the other right. nonsense you got to do. But uh, I, I don't think it'll be a problem and it will save me some money. But uh, as a free agent, you got to be on top of this stuff. And I, this isn't really a big point. I just wanted to kind of raise it to say, I hope you're thinking about that stuff. If you're thinking about making a move, make sure you think about it in advance. If you've made the move and you don't have life insurance or disability insurance, get it. Yeah, I uh, got disability insurance last year, and we just had that conversation where 
uh, we were talking about like what happens if I if something happens to me and I'm unable to do my job, whether that's una- I lose my voice and I'm unable to podcast or I lose my ability to, let's say, uh, use my hands to type articles like these are these are serious issues. Like how how do you how do you continue to provide for your family if you're unable to do the thing that allows you to work? And the answer is you get disability insurance. So if something happens to you and you're disabled in whole or in part, that the insurance will cover basically what you, you know, what you would have been able to make if you weren't disabled. And it's a, a lot of, um, a lot of employers have this for their employees, but when you're on your own, you gotta, you gotta do it yourself. Yep. Yep. Um, another thing that happened to me this month is I got a um, a potential call from a, a client. And it was, you know, one of those calls where you immediately feel bad vibes, you know. Ooh. You know, and, and the client, the, the, this potential person was making some demands and wanted me to agree to do certain things that I wasn't comfortable doing. And, you know, it's just like very early in the call, I realized this is a mistake and <laughs> where, you know, it's something, a bit of wisdom I've got from doing this a while, because I think when I first left, I would have been saying, okay, let's, uh, you know, let's schedule a meeting. Let's sit down. We'll figure this out. I can bring this person around to the way of, of doing things right. Whereas these days I'm just like, oh, you know what? We are not going to be a good fit together. So let's just end this call right now. And I wish you the best of luck. And when I hung up, I thought, wow, that's a little bit of maturity that uh, that I've needed for a long time. That's yeah, that's great. That goes back to us saying, you know, sometimes you got to say no and also ways yeah. to detect that uh, that this is not a job you need to take. And that doesn't always yeah. mean that the client is awful, although it can, but it can also mean that it's just a bad fit. And so being yeah. aware of that and able to recognize it is part of the process and the other part of the process is being able to communicate that and walk away so congratulations good job yeah hopefully i can keep that up Mm -hmm. it's scary though it's scary i mean uh, i was talking to my wife about it later because you've always got this underlying pressure where you know you've got tuition to pay for your kids you've got all these different insurance premiums to pay and you know all the other things that come with you know being on your own there there really is no safety net other than the one you build for yourself so even though I was successful that day, I, I'm not sure that I would be successful every day in resisting work that I know in my heart I shouldn't take. So I, I think I still have a ways to go with this because, like I said, underlying, I'm always thinking, well, I still need to make money if this thing's going to keep – if this you know, ship is going to stay afloat. Yeah, it's I, – I just had uh, a conversation with Lauren this morning about this, about how I've got a, a couple of potential clients – that are that are kind of on in the offing, and my inclination is to um, is to turn them down, <laughs> uh, which is again a big step. But it is very very much like do I need do I need to take on that extra work? What's the extra work going to be? What's the extra pay going to be? Do I have time to do it? And the answer is no. So what would I give up at that point? Or am I going to work myself that much harder in order to make this much money and looking at it and saying, no, I don't need to, I don't need to say yes to this. And again, yeah. it's a big step. I mean, even, even the night after I, I didn't sleep as well. Cause I woke up thinking about it at some point. I, th- I think this stuff is hard. I, I, I wish I was magically, uh, 
had the solution for everybody, but I don't think there is one. So I talked about my hyper scheduling <laughs> last month. Yeah, we've been. This is like the hyper scheduling corner that we're I know. in now. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop. I promise. But I I've I, I touched a nerve somehow because I've got so much feedback and questions about it. I even put a post up in Max Sparky just with all the questions I received and and my responses to them. Uh, it really, people are really, some people are really kind of angry about the idea <laughs> and a bunch of other people are like, yeah, about time. I've been doing that for years and it works great. Uh, so uh, I guess the only thing I would say, say about it is uh, we've talked about it enough, but it's, it's now gone beyond an experiment for me. It's just a thing for me now and I'm going to be doing it. You know, I think after two or three months, it's, it's a habit for me and uh, I'm hoping that I'll be able to hold on to it. Good. I guess. you. So keep us up to date. Let us know. We'll schedule something in between minute 18 yeah. and minute 19 of the next podcast about... Yeah, that, I know. That's, see, that's the big complaint everybody tells me. Is it's like it's a fancy form of procrastination that you sit there and you treat your calendar like this precious snowflake. And I, I don't do that. I mean, I right. the, the, the smallest increment is like maybe an hour where I'll say there's a specific contract problem or preparing for the free agents podcast. So, you know, that'll get an hour. But I don't have like 10 minute increments in the calendar. I, uh, I use OmniFocus. So I just flag all the little stuff and I'll have two hours that I call, you know, capture flags and I'll spend two hours just working through that yeah. list. So it's it's not as fiddly as it sounds. Hey, you're but, talking uh, to the right guy here. I, yeah. I'm all in favor of blocking off time on the calendar. We've talked about it. I, that gets me mocked by people like Mike Hurley, but um, I think it's a perfectly reasonable way to, to uh, uh, schedule your time and make sure that the things on your to-do list gets done. A lot of people will make a to-do list and they'll have that list and they'll be like, you need to do this list of things. And that can even be paralyzing sometimes because it's like, uh, which one should I do? And the answer is you make a schedule and you say, I'm going to do these here and I'm going to do this here. And then you just, as the clock ticks forward, you can't pr- stop the clock from moving forward. So you just have to move on to the next thing and get it done because now's your hour to get it done. I, I'm a believer in that. I think it's, I think it's uh, solid. I, I'm more of a uh, non-hyper scheduler but i i i absolutely am with you yeah i I think for me because i also use a big task list but uh, the trouble i was running into was i would spend the whole day working through the task list and feel empty at the end of the day and and maybe it's just just a head head game but now the night before i'm saying okay these are the tasks that are really going to get done tomorrow and here's how i'm figuring out the amount of time i need to do them and at the end of the day, I'm feeling a lot better about myself. And the other advantage is I'm able to schedule in time for priorities that aren't the the stuff that was taking all of my time before. You know, like getting a book done or something can now become a priority because I'm scheduling the time deliberately. So I don't want to bang on about it. I think I've said enough. But it's uh, – I'm kind of – I, a lot of times I do these things as experiments on myself. And at this point, it's no longer an experiment. This is just the way I do business now. Nice. Well, we, um, I want to talk about what you got asked when you were in Chicago by people coming up to you and actually asking you questions about free agents business. But uh, first, let's take another break to tell people about our other sponsor this week. This episode of Free Agents is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code FREEAGENTS at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for whatever your next idea is. It could be a new business, an online store maybe. It could be to show off your work in a portfolio. Maybe you want to set up a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. It lets you do everything. 
it lets you post things on the internet. You don't have to install things. There's no servers to monitor upgrades, patches to run, none of that. Squarespace takes care of all of that. You just use Squarespace to make the thing you want to make. There's award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name for whatever your project is. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. The best thing? Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. $12 for a whole website. Pretty cool. And you can start a trial with no credit card required, just by going to squarespace.com and signing up. When you do decide to sign up for a regular plan after the trial, use this offer code, FREEAGENTS, one word. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting free agents. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. Yeah, you know, that conference I went to was the tech show. It's it's all the nerdy lawyers. So I've been going for years, like I said, and I always get approached in the hallways and the bars and everywhere else to be talking about Macs and iPhones and iPads because that's my thing. But I had no idea that the free agents had got penetration into the legal market <laughs> because I had a bunch of guys coming up to me and gals uh, talking about how much they love our show and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, but they also were talking about how um, they had all these free agent questions, which I just didn't really expect much from lawyers. But but there were two that really stood out for me, so much so that I, I took some notes afterwards and I wanted to talk about the show. The first one was an attorney about, I don't know, he's probably under 40, but, you know, smart guy. And he's in a big firm and he's doing really well. You know, big firms, you make a nice paycheck. Mm-hmm. You've got all those benefits. you got staff. When you go on trips, you have other people taking care of stuff for you. But he's miserable. And that that's how we started the conversation. He says, I'm in a, help me, I have a pair of golden handcuffs. That's how he started. And I'm like, oh, okay, I think I know what you're talking about. So, so he's got good money. He's got a secure place. You know, it's not like they're trying to, to kick him out. But he wants more control over his life. And he's just tired of being at the whim of everybody. And he was... I felt like he was asking me to tell him it's okay to leave. And I wasn't telling him that, you know, I mean, that's one of the challenges of making the show really is Jason and I, I think I would both, I know speaking for myself, I'm, I'm a lot happier since I left. There were definite sacrifices I made and I wasn't miserable like this guy was, but at the old place, but I'm happier where I am now. Uh, But I, I don't want that everybody listening to convert that into, Oh, well then I can just quit my job and everything will be fine too. I mean, every time you send me that email, you terrify me. Yes. Yes. Um, so, but so the, he was asking me that question. I said, look, there, there is no guarantee. I mean, it's all the stuff we talk about on the show. I mean, do you have a spreadsheet? Do you have an income stream when you leave? I mean, are you doing the type of law where clients will come with you? Are you in a firm where you can even take clients with you? You know? And, and I started asking all those questions and, he was getting these kind of deer in the headlights look. And if he's listening right now, I feel bad about saying this, but it's, you know, it's, the truth hurts sometimes, you know, and I just felt like he needed to to research it more. But I feel like that's a question that a lot of people face. And my answer always is you have to really do the math and really do the homework. Yeah. You, you just can't, this is not a light decision to make. Maybe if you're living with your parents and you have no commitments, you can be a little riskier, but for most people, that's just not true. And uh, I don't want to give anybody advice that, that, you know, sends them down the wrong path. Now, one of the things there, there are a lot of podcasts out there and I'm not, I'm not 
going to specify, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. There are lots of like business and entrepreneurial podcasts that are all about getting people pumped up about you can do it. You can do this thing. You can do this. And and they're more like infomercials. And there are probably infomercials too. And we're not that. We're not going to be that. We we want everybody to be aware that of all the challenges in going out on your own. And although it's been good for us, um, the po- point of this podcast is not to convince you that it's the right decision to go out on your own it's to tell our stories about what's happened while we've been out on our own and then talk to other people and let you kind of make your own calculation about it because there are going to be cases where it's a good idea and there are going to be cases where it's a bad idea and you have to we can't give you reassurance it's always going to be a risk i I, we can list the the steps you need to take and it's funny that you talk about a guy from a big firm and he's miserable but he's getting you know paid so well like that was my sister-in-law Lauren's sister was exactly like that. She she yeah. worked for a big firm, and she and I would talk about how miserable we were at our jobs, and then we were both, within a couple of years, both of us were out of there. Um, and, and some of it is, how how miserable are you? Because being miserable is not great, and you it, prob- it probably should not be an extended thing. If you're, if you're miserable, yeah, you could probably survive it for a little while, but you should be planning a departure if you're miserable. Yeah. You, you, you can't do that forever. It will erode your soul. You need to get out of there. And Maybe going out on your own isn't the right answer. Maybe it's something else. My sister-in-law got a different job that pays a fraction of what her firm job does, but it's in a place where the cost of living is a lot less, and she's uh, she's still in the legal profession, just a different part of it. And uh, I think she's much happier now. Quite frankly, I have. I mean, last time I talked to her, she seemed way happier than she did in the past. So it can it can work. But that goes to another point, which is if you're miserable, but you really like all the benefits of maybe you're in you know you're in a big city somewhere, and the cost of living is high, but you can manage it and you've got some nice stuff you've got a nice place to live you've got a you know you've got a boat you know whatever that kind of stuff is that's the other thing to keep in mind is um you if you've got stuff like that you're gonna have to trade that probably for being out on your own and not being miserable and and are you willing to do that but these are all personal decisions that you have to make but you know i would say the one thing is if you're miserable like you described this person being um, you need to think of how you're going to not be miserable anymore. That that much is certain. Whether it's quitting your job and going out on your own, or whether it's looking actively for some other job or some other life change to get to a place where you're not miserable. Yeah, and especially when you have children, and you know, I mean, all that stuff bleeds over into the rest of your life. You'd like yep. to think it won't, but it does. So. My advice to this guy was, you know, look at some in-house jobs. I mean, there are yeah. non-big firms where you have more standard hours. You probably make less. And one of the interesting things, you know, Flex Friedman and I were talking once, uh, and he had a fancy pants job and then went to work at Macworld. Yep. You know, Lex is a good friend of yours. That's right. He said something to me that really stood out to me. Uh, this was at Macworld back when we had Macworld Expo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, I know exactly what the cost of happiness is because I uh, I paid it. You know, he yeah. had a job that paid a bunch of money. He took a job that paid a bunch less money. Yeah. And he, he took a huge says, pay cut to come work at Macworld and he was much and, happier. And he says, the Delta, that's the cost of my happiness. And that was a, that was an impressive statement, I thought. Yeah. 
But yeah. anyway, so I, I tried to give this guy advice. And honestly, if you're thinking about it, go back and listen to those series of shows we did on, you know, covering the basics and see how you're doing on that. Give yourself a scorecard. Uh, you will never be in a spot where it's a completely secure move. No. It's always a risk. Yes. I waited too long, frankly. Me too. Because I was afraid. And, um, but that's just who me and Jason are, I guess. But the, um, but, you know, it, but don't come up to us and ask us permission because we can't give it to you. You got to figure it yeah. out for yourself. Um, the other thing that, uh, the other uh, conversation that stood out to me, uh, it really isn't even a conversation. It was just kind of an observation. Uh, so this is a tech conference and there's a lot of really good speakers at the show and there's some really good vendors, uh, sharing some products, but there's also a bunch of what I could only call snake oil where you've got these, these solos out there. And in the legal profession now, there's a lot more solos than there ever were because it's harder to get jobs. So people get out of law school. They don't know what to do. They just open a law firm. And there's so much to this that is not about being a lawyer. And I think this could apply to any profession or, or um, you know, jobby job. So there's these men and women walking down these aisles and I'm looking at their faces and they're just lost, you know, and they're, they're looking for some kind of technology and they're willing to write big checks as these vendors know, because they think that they're going to write that check and it's going to solve their problem. And it's not. You know, um, the technology is good for getting your business going, but it's really not the solution. I mean, uh, there's marketing, client retention, planning, you know, all the stuff that you have, the hard stuff you have to do for yourself is not going to get solved with software. And I just felt like, I feel like there were some vendors that were kind of taking advantage of this idea that if someone writes them a big enough check, they're going to solve that problem for them. And it's, they're never going to be happy. And um, I don't know, that's just an observation I made. And I got thinking about it in, in reference to our show today. It's, hmm. I think for a lot of people out there, you cannot, you cannot do this stuff just by paying somebody to, to come up with a software solution or, or fix all your problems. It's just, you got to figure it out yourself. Yeah. Boy, I feel like we're, we're saying the same thing, which is, yeah, I guess you gotta, yeah. you gotta figure it out yourself. And there's some stuff that, that nobody else can help with, but you know, you're, you're on your own and you've got to, you got to do it. Hey, we got some interesting Twitter feedback. Yeah, we got, we got a, uh, a question from Scott Mitchell who wrote in, I would love to know how you guys set up and track long-term goals, whether quarterly, yearly, or over many years. How do you do that, Jason? Uh, well, what I was going to say to Scott is it's all upstairs, man. It's uh, in the old <laughs> noggin. I, 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 my long-term goals are in my head. I don't write them down anywhere. I don't have them in a spreadsheet. I, they, there, is, there is a list that's constantly churning over in my head of things I want to do and things I'm trying to do. And that's where I keep it. And as much as I, I have been, again, given a hard time by people like Mike Hurley for keeping my to-do list in my head and my you know a lot of my planning i just keep in my own in my own brain but certainly when it comes to things like long term goals um i don't have any formal thing i'm always on on the one hand i'm always thinking about it on a certain level i keep i i make sure to come back to it but on another level you know i'm i'm not fiddling around with a with a document somewhere um you know that i just it's in my head so that's it for me. I mean, I, I, I wish I had a, a a solution that I could tell you, like, use this app and use this method. But it's literally, I just I just 
keep it in my own mind and I don't have any other system. I do think there is some advantage to writing some of this stuff down uh, for the same reason putting your tasks into a system is, is helpful because our brains aren't really wired for storing databases. And if you can get it out of your head, you, then you don't have to have that overhead of remembering it all the time. If that makes sense. Uh, but I'm a little more formal than Jason, but the thing that's weird for me is because I have multiple businesses, you know, the stuff I do as a podcaster is different than the stuff I do as a lawyer. And that's different than the stuff I do as an author and publisher. So I've got these very different business lines and, and some of them lend themselves more to future planning and others don't like, with the law practice, I, I I don't have a goal of growing it to the point that I have to bring on a bunch of associate attorneys and get a big office. And so I don't have as many traditional goals like you would have with something like that. I'm looking at my notes right now. My goal for this year in the law practice is to replace, you know, 20% of my clients, you know, the worst 20% with new clients that, that pay on time and listen to me. You know, that's like I'm not necessarily looking to grow clients, but to get rid of some of the ones that aren't I don't want to keep anymore and replace them with better ones. That's not much of a goal, really. Um, but for the the publishing stuff, I have a list of things I want to do. Some of them are video products, some of them are actual books, and I um I keep that list all the time. And then as I finish one, I pick the next one, and then I just kind of dive into that, and that's all I think about until that project is done. And then I go to the list and pick the next one. So that's, that's the way I plan that stuff, which works okay. And it's not on a annual schedule. I talked a couple months ago about this 12 week year thing. And I'm, I'm kind of trying to put that stuff into it where I say, okay, I'm going to pick a project. I'm not going to let it turn into a year or two year long project. I'm going to pick a, a timeline for myself to try and get the thing done inside. But I don't necessarily even share that because I don't want to kind of publicly commit myself but putting a, a time certain on it actually creates a little more sense of urgency, which which is what led to the whole hyper scheduling and you know how this stuff kind of works together. But so I, I do write things down, but I'm not nearly as deep in it as some folks are. That's fair enough. I'm not surprised to get that <laughs> to hear you say it that way. Uh, for me, like I said, I, I I think of my long term goals as just something. It's just a part of what I do to examine myself all the time, and I don't. That's it. That's all I. That's all I do. So I think no I, answer there. Yeah, I, I think one thing I don't do good enough is is considering you know what what is this environment look like in five years? You know what does the legal you know corporate attorney kind of environment look like for me in five years? Or what does the podcaster or the book writer look for me in five years? And you know I I don't want to get myself caught at some point where suddenly I don't have any business and I'm in big trouble. And I'm not exactly sure how to plan for that, but I, I'm not, I don't think I'm doing enough along those lines. But I'm not really sure what the answer is. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're not you're doing too much. No, that's not it. Yeah, it, it is. I don't know. I just I the for me the uh, the issue is, um, I always ask myself like if I if I make a scoreboard if I make a list of this thing and say I suppose like as a recurring event like re revisit your list every quarter or revisit your list every year um that I'm going to spend time doing that but it's not actually going to it won't go it won't 
it won't be something I actually do or I'm going to be concerned with it all the time. I don't know. I just I feel like I inter I internalize goals and those are those are not things I want to export to what you said before about keeping your you know getting things out of your head and putting it in a database somewhere. I feel like long-term yeah. goals maybe I don't want out of my head. For what, yeah, that makes whatever sense. reason. No. Well, I, I feel like in my case I made cuz I the, the next iBooks author book I'm going to announce hopefully in the next month. Um, is something that took me two years to write. And I feel like the reason it did is because I let other priorities overwhelm it. And if I had been thinking about how important that book is to me, it would have been done sooner. Mm. So I feel like I've made some mistakes in the past. So I am looking for ways to get better at not doing that again. But I don't I don't have the answers yet. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. All right, Jason, I think that probably does it for feedback today. Yeah, I think so. But you can always tweet at us at Free Agents FM, and Twitter made tweets really long. So if you've got questions or things you'd like us to cover, that's an easy way to uh, to yeah. reach us. You can also go to relay.fm slash free agents, and there's a contact link on the side, on the left side there, and you click on that, and it'll send an email that will go to uh, both of us. You can also go to facebook.com slash group slash free agents group. There are a lot of other free agents in that group, and you can share your experiences with them. And, uh, and I think that's about it. Anything I'm forgetting? No, I think we're good for another month and uh, like just for another fortnight. Yes. Because we've got a special guest coming in two weeks and I can't wait to share him with you. Yeah, that's right. It'll be a good uh, another interview in two weeks. And then we'll be back with your feedback and our stories in uh, two weeks after that. So until then, David, it's been a pleasure as always. See you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.